Good morning, Lifehouse. Um, as some of you know, we're in the middle of a series called But God, and this morning I want to have a chat on how do we live with joy and hope in our lives when life goes pear-shaped and it comes out just as we weren't expecting it to be. So firstly, we'll be looking at um, what the words joy and hope mean in terms of the basis in, and the foundation for those words in Scripture, and then why do we need joy and hope? That's the first thing we're going to look at. And secondly, we're going to look at, once we understand what they are and where they come from, how do we get them and how do we live with them in our life circumstances? And then thirdly, I'll just share briefly the context of my life, uh, because like you, I have to live these concepts on a daily basis or I perish. I perish emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So firstly, to joy, this is an iconic scripture that most of you really know, um, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the context of it. So joy is found in God and it comes from God. It belongs to him. Then secondly, this scripture in uh, 1 Kings 8, uh, the people had been at a feast. You know, the, the, the Jews had these feasts every year, um, about seven of them. And then they'd finished their feast and they were going home. And um, the king sent that they blessed the king and they went home and they were joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done. So that's the second place where joy comes from. It's from reminding ourselves about all the good things God has done for us, what his nature and character is. Then the third thing in Jeremiah, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. So that's the third place that joy comes from. It's from God's narrative. It's from his word. So we need to go to his word and find out what it says about us. So we have joy because we encounter his character. We know that he's delivered us, all the good things he's done for us. We know that he guides and counsels us on a daily basis, and his word encourages us. So you can see that joy doesn't come from us. It comes from him, and it comes from somewhere else outside of ourselves. Um, now hope, which is the second part, this is a really long scripture, so I'm just going to read the first uh, verse. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And what it's basically saying is the world around us has got no hope. And it's, I'm amazed as I mix and, and you know, chat to people in life currently in the world, a world that has gone mad. But funnily enough, the world's always been like this. Eh? So uh, this is the nature of living on earth. They have no hope because there's no eternity for them. There's no Jesus. So hope comes from an understanding of eternal life, an understanding that we are merely passing through. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So this is the second place where we get hope from, other than a perspective on eternal life. It's inside Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's inside him as a living hope. Uh, and then this one, uh, Corinthians, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. So hope comes again, like joy, outside of ourselves. It's not something inside of ourselves. We're setting our hope on him, the living hope, because of eternity of what he's done for our lives. So hope is not about things going well in life. Often you'll hear people say, well, I really hope this works out. So whether it works out or not, our hope is not based on that. It's based on something else outside of ourselves. Hope is an expectation of future good, and it's inside of God. It's because we know who he is. Uh, 
So we have hope because of eternity, because of Jesus, our living hope, and because we set our hope there. So why do we need joy and hope? This is one of my scriptures I really love. Um, In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now for you, what does overcome mean? And I love this story about Jesus and the disciples. He came along and he announced that he was the king and he was going to set up his kingdom. And they like, yay, he's going to overthrow the Roman kingdom and everything's going to be bakhat and we're going to be fine. And then he goes to the cross. And they're like, no, 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 no. Kings do not go to the cross. What do you think you're doing? Stick around. Let's make a plan here. And that's what happens to us. We think that overcoming means everything's going to be fine in our lives. And it's not. That's the title of my message. Life goes wrong. It's part of the human condition. How do we live as believers in that, appropriating these things called joy and hope? And joy and hope are antidotes to the world system. So when things are falling apart for us, and we're in pain, we have joy. And when life's shredding us, we have hope. Antidote. Now the key is that joy and hope come from another kingdom, from a supernatural kingdom, so we can access them. But pain and grieving come from the natural. So now we don't worship God for what we can get out of him. This is a key as a Christian. And I think in our Western society, we think, come to Jesus, everything's going to be fine. No, it's come to Jesus Learn the ways of God, and you're a soldier in the army. Put your helmet on. That's actually what life's all about. We think Jesus is going to sort out all our troubles like the Jews did. And believe me, Father God has a heart towards us. He loves us, and he wants to sort out our stuffs, and he does many times. But from my experience and from yours too, and I will ask you later what your experience in life is, it doesn't always work out like that. So that's not the basis on which to live our lives. We have to live our lives from the supernatural with our hope set on God, knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So now that we know where joy and hope come from in terms of basis, foundation, definition, supernatural versus the natural, um, that's where it comes from. I've done that. Sorry, I'm missing my slides here. So now the problem is, is that we get joy and hope mixed up with other terms. So we think that joy is higher grade happiness. We think joy happiness dressed up went to private school you know it's went to Michael house and it's it's a different version of it and we think that joy is happiness on steroids and this is where we go wrong joy and 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 hope are not any of those things they come from a different basis and unless we understand this we're going to be living in the wrong cause uh, the wrong context all the time so when li- when life happens we need to understand that scripture John 16:33. in this world you'll have trouble but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So when we learn how to appropriate joy and hope, then we have a different way to cope with life. It's all about coping. And it's not you need God as a crutch. No, it's God created it. I bought an air fryer the other day. And unless you read the manual, believe me, smoke comes out of the thing. And you can only put certain things in it, not other things. So God gave us a manual. He gave us a narrative. And his word tells us how we're supposed to live. Yes, that was my iconic scripture. I think I'm skipping ahead of myself slightly, but that's fine. Let me just go back one so that I don't confuse you. Think about that one. That's the key scripture in terms of what does overcoming look like. So overcoming for me is about the sound that comes out of our lives. So when we learn to appropriate joy and hope, the sound of the world as it shreds us and happens, as life happens, 
that sound can be higher than the joy sound. And as we, did I touch something? As we get the, the sound of joy and hope in our lives, it overcomes the sound that the world makes. That's what overcoming means. It's, it's an overcoming in your soul. So now we've realized that um, joy and hope come from the supernatural kingdom. So how do we get them? This is the key. How we get them. Now, the way we get joy and hope, it involves changing a mindset, changing our perspective on life. That's the key to this whole thing. You've probably heard this many times in the Christian life. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where we need to go with changing this mindset. It's like building physical fitness. So I've exercised my whole life, and like us as believers, our whole lives we've done all the things we should do as a Christian. But we go through seasons. Then I got a bit slack in the 40s and 50s, too busy building a career and whatnot. I woke up in the 50s and went, oh, everything hurts. I'm stiff. My joy's left. My hope's left because I've got lumbago. So now I do Pilates once a week for mobility. I do strength training, muscle training with a, you know, not at the gym. That's far too much hard work. It's an electromuscle stimulation thing. They strap me up and go, you know. And I ride an exercise bicycle twice a week. Now, I don't like doing these things. It was fine when I was young. But I do them now because they are, I understand the value that these things have in my life. And these things in and of themselves have no value. But they're getting me to a place where when I'm 70 and 80, I'll be able to pull the garage door up without popping a, a, a thingy. And why am I have to get the garage door up? Because there'll be load shedding, you know? <laughs> and it's the same with spiritual disciplines. And that's how we get where we're going to do. And in this church, if you've been here for some time, we speak about spiritual disciplines we have for 10 years. We need to have a spiritual plan and a spiritual formation in place like my Pilates. And, and we go through seasons. I'm doing it a bit less now in the winter. Uh, some of the things I pay for, so I go to them because I pay. But the exercise bicycles is becoming a bit of a problem. So now we have to understand that God lives in a realm of truth. So it's about this perspective. We have to line up with what God's truth says. And I think I have a scripture on that. Yes. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we have a perspective. Let me go back a step. We, we have perceptions. Perceptions come to us by what we feel, by our moods and our emotions, and then they help us create, the perception helps us create a perspective. It's a viewpoint, a point of view on life. But those are the things we need to change. So we need to take our perspective, hold it up on the particular thing that's happening in our lives, and say, what does God say about this? So, for example, if you mess up and you do something bad, you do something wrong, and you're like, oh, no, I'm such a chop. I feel down. I feel depressed. I'm going to the garden to eat worms. I am a worm. You have to stop yourself and go, what does God say about this? And he says, Sherry, you are my daughter. I'm not finished yet with you. It's a process of life. I promise you, girl, I'm going to finish the work that I started in you. So I've lined myself up with his truth now. And I go, okay, so I made a mistake. If reparation has to be made, do that, which I do regularly. Apologize, fix, carry on, especially in marriage, if you know anything about marriage. Line ourselves up with what God says about truth. That's how we change our perspective. Because we can't live with how we think and how we feel. Friends, if we live on how we think and we feel, we're in deep trouble as believers. That's not going to work. Uh, okay, so now my Romans 12 scripture. You've read the scripture many times. Don't be conformed to the external superficial customs of the world, but be transformed 
by the entire renewal of your minds, by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Then you'll be able to prove what's the good and perfect will of God for you in your life. But now I've realized that we often don't understand what the Bible means. I mean, that's a chunk of change. That's the Amplified um, Classic. If you go and read it in a King James, it's a little, and you'll never understand what it said because it's too quick. But for this, for me, the external superficial customs of the world is the way they think. It's the way they approach integrity. It's the way they approach their marriages. It's the way they raise their children. It's the way they deal with their money. And remember that story of hope? In the beginning, they have no hope for the future because they have a viewpoint on things. And Ian and I mix widely being in business. I'm not in business anymore. And the viewpoints that come out from people are just staggering. And sometimes I go, come here, let me tell you about Jesus. But it's sometimes not that easy. You know what I mean? We, we preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So Ian and I are involved in many people's lives, in business and friends for many years without actually saying the gospel. But they see. They see by these external customs because we have different customs to them. We went somewhere recently with some Jewish friends and this lady said to me, just one line over dinner, oh yes, I know you serve Yeshua the Messiah. Been around us for five or six years because our, our customs have changed. But what happens is we don't understand the Bible. So we get confused about what's going on. So here's a thought. Let me give you this big thought. This is one of my big takeaways. Joy and happiness are two different, uh, joy and, well, well, joy and happiness are two different things. So therefore, joy and unhappiness are two different things. But we think they're the same. Now, I want to tell you that you can be profoundly unhappy in life and still have joy. How? What? How do you do that? Because remember, they're in different realms. Joy, supernatural. Unhappiness, natural. Now, as believers, we don't even try to choose joy because we don't understand what the Bible says. So when we get down, we go, I'm down. I'm going to be governed by my moods. And the reason I can't have joy is because then I'll have to ignore that I'm down. I'll have to say, I'm happy. No, we don't. The Bible calls unhappiness lamenting. Uh, I think I have a... So we can have joy and feel unhappy at the same time because they come from different places. I love old David. He's just like me. Why so downcast, oh my soul, put your trust in God. Saul's chasing him around the show. If you've read any of the Psalms, uh, David and his boys go off to war. They come back to the homestead. It was called Ziklag. All the people have been taken, the woman, the children, probably the dogs and the cattle. And now they sit in the dust. And like, I've just come back from war. Can I not have a, a, a meal or a McDonald's maybe? And there's nothing. They're sitting in the dust. The girls have gone. No one's going to make meals. Why so downcast, oh my soul? So the Bible calls unhappiness lamenting. And this is where you can have them in the same space. We do not ignore our circumstances. We do not ignore our unhappiness. And same with hope. We don't. Things are going to happen in life that we need to grieve over, man. So we grieve. We lament. I mean, I often lie on the floor and I just go, God, you've got to be kidding me. I'm really unhappy. I ain't having fun. And I have a pity party. Get up, wash my face, remind myself who I am, remind myself who he is because the joy of the Lord is my strength. My hope comes because I set my hope on him, the living hope, and I understand eternity. So be unhappy. Grieve. We can have them in the same space, not right, you know, in the same word, but we recognize what's going on in our lives and we choose to get up and say, you are Messiah. That's the key to it. You don't have to ignore what's happening in your life, but please don't ignore joy either at the same time. We can have them together. And it's the same with hope. Um, 
Hope and positive thinking are two different things. So as I said in the beginning, we don't go, oh, I hope this is going to work out. Many of us, I know some of our stories, and I meet people all the time, I know what's going on in your lives, I know what's going on in my life, some things are not going to get better. They ain't getting better, not the side of eternity. We can say what we like, so how do we live in this space? That's what this is all about. How do we take joy and hope, inject it into our current reality, not ignoring our current reality, and say, God, you are worthy. We have to learn this. I listen to believers all the time, and I've said this too, so let me not say that. I've said this all the time. I've lost my joy. No, I haven't lost anything. We think God left. He didn't. He's the same God yesterday, today, forever. Line up with his reality. I left. I went walkabout. We have to keep ourselves in God. So what's happening in your life? Divorce? Chronic illness? Business failing? Can't fall pregnant? I mean, fertile? Children going astray? Mental health issues? There's a host of them. We all have a whole, as believers, eh? So we've had this in the Western world, this era where we go, don't tell anybody about the stuff that's going down. No, we need to bring it in the light so people can stand around us. In this world, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In your soul, we're going to overcome. Some things might get better, but some things don't. And if they don't, is God not good anymore? Is, does he, he's forgotten about his plan for eternity. I've had this chat with God this last year. I'm like, God, did you leave? Look what's going on with COVID. And this one says that, and that one says the other. And then I've, I've lost my joy. No, I'll just go back under the waterfall where the joy is, in the narrative of the Word of God, in the nature and character of the Word of God. Set my hope on Him. That's the key to getting through life. So those things I've described, divorce, all those things, they could then cause other problems. It's called like a secondary infection. Anxiety, stress, insecurity, fear, loneliness, identity issues, their emotions, don't ignore them. Call them that. Sometimes I go to God and I say, you know, I am so low, I can't get any lower than this. Even the worms in the garden won't talk to me. Acknowledge it. Grieve, lament, stand up and say, but I choose, I choose your ways are better than my ways. So we have them both together. The positive joy and hope is an antidote to life alongside the grieving and the unhappiness. It's part of being, being human, friends. We're not going to get away from that as believers, and the Bible doesn't say that we should. So now, joy is a, sustain, is a sustained foundation because of God's character. So the more of God's character we get on the inside of us, the more our moods and circumstances are not going to control who we are. It's about him, friends. It's about what he does. But what happens is we medicate ourselves. We choose to rather medicate ourselves. So alcohol, cigarettes, overeating, uh, too much TV, sport, holidays. Uh, some of those things are good for us. You, you, you can guess which ones aren't good for us. <laughs> but many of the things we use in life, God has given us all things to enjoy, are good for us. And we can have them in the right context. But when we start using that to anesthetize ourselves, then we're in trouble. And sometimes we think we've got joy and it's just happiness. And we think we've got, we, we've got hope, but it's just positive thinking. And when life goes wrong, we're going to find out what really went on. But there's a remedy for this. Focus on God. So now the key is, I was going to tell you how we get it. And we said we choose it by changing our perspective. And the way we do that is through spiritual disciplines. As I said, in this church, we 
teach spiritual disciplines. So one of them, for example, is CBR, community-based reading. So in this church, we read the Bible together. We started out three years ago. I don't know how many times we've done a rotation around the earth, but we're keeping going. So we all read the Bible together every day in our homes. How do we get joy? We have to put ourselves in the narrative of God. So we have to worship God through the word. just want to get to my... Yeah. So it involves work. It's not a passive thing, this choosing. It's an active thing. We have to choose to do it all the time. And the one way is to train ourselves spiritually, mentally, emotionally, like I'm doing with Pilates, muscle training. I may not feel like it, but I need to do it. And especially in these times, something in my life has to go. I can't have it all. I can't have the world's external superficial customs, too much Netflix, too much sleep, <laughs> etc. I have to choose which way I'm going to go. And as believers, we have to surrender our lives, give up some of ourselves, and choose God's way. So this is how we get it. We have to school ourselves in the Word. If, if the only time you ever read the Bible is at church, not going to help much. We have to worship and praise God daily in our lives. This takes effort. Sometimes we run on autopilot. We have to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. I heard a phrase the other day, thanksgiving makes thanks living. So if we lived with thanksgiving and gratitude, my hubby and I have practiced this greatly. We went through 15 torrid years of all sorts of dramas, and somehow by God's grace, some of the things are working out. And uh, we are just so grateful for everything that God's done that it's easy for us to practice it. We have to think God's thoughts. We've already said how you do that. You put down the world's thinking mechanisms and their perspective. We go to what the Bible says, get in line with his truth, and govern our lives by what he says. We have to believe what he says, and we have to pray at all times. And how about this one? It's quite novel. Stay in fellowship. Being a Christian is personal but not private. We need to stay involved in the local body of Christ, and it's really hard at the moment. I mean, last year, lockdown, 24 Sundays, Ian and I stayed at home, as you all did. There was no church. It was really hard. And at that time, I was challenged by what I really believed because I didn't have church on a Sunday to help me out. And friends, this is a lifetime pursuit. So don't beat yourself up. If you're a mother with small children or you're a high-flying businessman with this massive career and lockdown's putting big-time pressure because you work so hard, we have seasons in our lives. So it's not about we have to do it. We do it because we want to. And we do it because we know when we get to 70, we'll be able to lift the garage door. So it's about the future. It's about understanding why am I doing this and then wanting to. So the fruit of joy comes from the root of discipleship. We don't like this. The extent to which we are grounded in Jesus and the word, that's the extent to which you're going to walk in victory and overcome life's challenges. If we don't put the effort in, we're not going to get anywhere. You know, we went to Cape Town for two weeks, and I thought I had enough exercise under my belt. We did 15,000 steps a day. I was groaning by the end of day one. We did the whole tour, you know. We came back, and I thought, on top of the Pilates, on top of the muscles, and on top of the bicycle, I better do some walking because everything hurt. So there's different kinds of disciplines that we have in our lives, and we need to do different things to achieve different aims. So that's joy and how we get it. We get it because it's inside God and it's inside his narrative. So we have to start doing things. It's bottom line. Okay? If we forget to brush our teeth and we never brush our teeth, you're going to know about it. If you forget to spend time with God and put these principles in place in your life, you're going to know all about it. Now it's the same with hope. 
we get hope from faith in Jesus. Remember we said that our hope is set on him. We have hope because of eternity, and Jesus is our hope. So I'm going to read it from here. Faith believes that God is our Father, and hope reckons that he will always act as such towards us. So it's not, God's left, where is he? I don't know what's going on in my life. He didn't go anywhere. We moved outside of the sunshine. Imagine if you were in the Second World War and your hubby went to Germany for two years. Never see him. When he comes back, the relationship's going to be different. So we can't afford to move away from God. Faith believes that eternal life has already been given to us. and Hope waits for the day when that will happen. That was the scripture in Thessalonians. The world has no hope for eternity, but we have hope. Faith is the foundation on which hope is built. And hope feeds faith and keeps it alive. I remember an old hymn from decades ago when I first came to Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Okay, so we looked at what joy and hope were. They're in God, supernatural kingdom. We looked at why do we need them? Because of in this world there will be trouble, but I've overcome the world. And the overcoming is not necessarily everything going fine. It's us learning how to cope with what goes on with a cheerful heart and worship God. Because this is actually all about Jesus, not about us. And now thirdly, I'm going to quickly tell you my story, a portion of it. Um, five or six years ago, I was working. Uh, Ian and I didn't have children, so I'd worked for 35 years. And I wouldn't get out of bed unless I could earn big bucks. It was terrible, but still. But there's a price to those jobs, eh? <laughs> so I was a driver, A personality, really successful, flying along this big career. But I had this one little problem. And I won't go into major detail, but I have a neurological condition that renders me incapable of functioning at, at a certain level, intellectually, mentally, you know, that kind of thing. Running, running all day, consulting with clients, writing big reports. <laughs> but my personality went, well, how bad can this be, you know? So for five years longer than what I should have, I just flogged myself. I just kept going until the day when you're driving home and your hands are shaking on the steering wheel at five o'clock and you're going, there's something wrong. God's left. There's no joy. No, I'm doing things wrong. And at that time, 2015, Ian and I were talking to a spiritual life coach about life. And the coach and the Holy Spirit and Ian ganged up on me. And they said, Shez, you've got to stop working, girl. This is shredding you. you, you you're going to die of a heart attack. You know, you have this problem. But now, there's a but God moment. Same as joy and hope are but God. But you can have hope. But you have joy if you choose my ways and live in my narrative. Financially, this would have been a disaster. At that time, I couldn't stop working, you know, equal income, you know. So we approached my insurer, and it took a whole year. It was really a, <laughs> a most uncomfortable process. Um, so they sent me for CAT scans and MRIs and neuropsychological testing, you know, where they test all sorts of funny stuff that I've never even heard of, Weschler tests. And you come out of there and you go, can I actually think, you know? And I was dealing with a young claims underwriter at that time, and this is a condition that's relatively subjective and was the first time they'd ever paid out for it. They ended up paying out for it, but God. And this young claims assessor had to go to a symposium in Cape Town, and she needed to take like a paper that was really unusual, and I'd written them a whole pricey, believe me, on the impact of this thing in my life. And she took that document, went to Cape Town, did her presentation at this underwriting 
conference and gave this condition massive profile. And as a result, this particular insurer decided to pay out. But at the same time, I'm 40% deaf, so I wear contact lenses for ears. They're called hearing aids. They're the most fantastic invention. And loss of hearing is a precursor to this condition. So when you put the two together, it's like a, it's like a perfect storm, you know. We have this joke in my house. Sometimes in the morning, I don't put the bunny ears in, and I wander around, and then Ian calls, and I can't hear him, and he says, what are you, deaf? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but God, they paid out. But now the problem is, my personality didn't like that. I'm so grateful for the money, etc. But now I have to admit there's something wrong with me. So I had this constant struggle with, and now I was invisible all of a sudden. Suddenly you, you stay at home, and now what do you do? Back to the life coach. <laughs> Reevaluate. What the word value, what value do I now bring to life, to my marriage, to church, to people? Success. What does it look like? Before it was just chase the dollar, big bucks at the end of the month. I'm a genius. So now I go more for significance rather than success. Uh, and the third word was role. What role do I play? So it took me a year or two with Holy Spirit's help and the life coach. Now my role is to support my husband. That's all I do. People ask me what I do all day. Well, I run the house and I go to the scam and pick and pay, make sure we've got cat food and run our finances. Different world, eh? So life did not work out as I expected. And I'm not going to go into the details, but let me tell you, this shreds me, hey? I wake up in the mornings and I'm like, which way is up? And I go, how the hell did I work? How the heaven did I work for five years? Longer than I should have doing this. So every morning I have to get up like you do and I have to say, lament, lament, grieve. I've lost some things I would rather have kept. Life turned out another way. I'm grateful and, and there's many but God moments in my life story. But I have to live with it. It, it isn't going away. So now let me say, have we prayed for my healing? Many times. When they announce healing in church, I go stand in the back in case they ask me to come and pray because I'm nearly bald from people laying hands on me. Do I believe in healing? Absolutely. Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Does God always heal? No. Does life always work out the way we wanted it? No. Will I keep on worshiping him and blessing his name? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is a journey I'm passing through, and it's not all about me. We may not get what we want, and overcoming may not look like we thought it did. We can't insist on a way. There is place and time to speak God's word into life and into circumstances. But I'm telling you, life doesn't look the way we thought it did. But God, we enter into joy not by denying our current reality, by acknowledging it, bringing it into the light, and worshiping God. Without hope and without joy, I have no idea how the world lives because Jesus is the only living hope. Don't deny. And as I said, although we don't deny our circumstances, please don't deny and ignore joy and hope either. We have to pursue these things in our lives. This scripture has stood me in such good stead in the last year. Let joy be your continual feast. So it's not take out on the run. We sit down and have a big feast, and we have to make space for it in our lives, and we have to go and appropriate it and sit down and eat it. Make your life a prayer. We have to constantly be in prayer, and in the midst of all things, give thanks. Now, this is interesting, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. 
And in another translation, it says, for this is God's perfect will for you in Christ Jesus. And often I talk to believers and encourage them because now I've discovered my role. I've developed a pastor's heart in the last four or five years. So the other thing I do all day, not all day, once or twice a week, is I just go and talk to other people. have coffee with ladies and guys who never wants to, and on Zoom mostly recently, but still, and I just bless other people and encourage them. People say to me, what's God's will for my life? And they want some big moment, you know, some big revelation. It's like overcoming. What does it look like? This, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Make joy your feast. Make your life a prayer. In all things, give thanks. If we live with this and we live under God's narrative, this is God's will for us. Everything else emanates from that. So we need to surrender our lives to Jesus. And I want to speak to people that are with us today or who listen to this talk at any time. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know him as Messiah, part of the Trinity, creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to seek God. So if you're with somebody else today, a Christian friend, talk to them, ask them about Jesus. And if you just randomly happened on us, happened on this, phone Lifehouse Church, look us up, phone us, phone us up. And we will put you in touch with somebody, maybe me, because I'm the one at home, you know, just chilling out there with my worms in the garden and worshiping Jesus every day. And we will pray with you and lead you to understand how you can come and know Jesus Christ. Because, friend, without any hope and without joy, you can fake the happiness. Somebody said to me the other day, they listened to a woman on a talk and she said get up in the morning and smile at yourself in the mirror and release dopamine and serotonin i've tried that it doesn't last beyond half past nine but the joy and hope in my soul that comes from creator god often i just walk in the garden and i sing songs to this great king while my condition is blitzing me so what else has gone wrong in your life whether you know jesus or not what are you needing to overcome What's got you totally puzzled and totally flummoxed and didn't turn out the way you wanted it? It may not turn out, friend, because God has done it all already. What issues are you not coping with? Take those issues before the cross of Jesus and surrender to him. So if you're not saved, please come to Jesus. And for believers, if you're struggling, let me finish with the scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Throw off the wrong perspectives, wrong mindsets. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. That perseverance is that choosing. It's the putting in place the spiritual exercises I need to do to keep my spiritual muscles strong so that when I need to lift the garage door, when life and the pawpaw come together, that I can lift it with ease. Obviously, you know what? Fitness is how quickly we, our pulse rate returns to normal. And spiritual fitness, same thing. You run, you're going to get your heart rate up. Life comes at you and you go, oh, now what? So lament and grieve and go, Jesus. And if your soul is full with him, because we've, we've run the race with perseverance, we've sought his face. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the finisher and perfecter and the pioneer of our faith. Watch this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the father imagine how he felt when all the people and the disciples said to him what kings don't go to the cross 
And he's thinking, but I have to go for your sake. The joy is set before him. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart or lose hope. There it is again, the hope and the joy. So Jesus showed us the way. He knew that these things are key. By the way, the hope set before him was you and me. But it doesn't work out the way we wanted it. It works out the way he wanted it. So we better go and find out what his narrative is, what his landscape looks like. And because he endured, we can too. So friends, whatever your challenges in life are, and whatever's shredding your life, you were just minding your own business, and then life took a turn you didn't want, or it won't take a turn you do want, or it did a backflip, and there you are lying in the dust going, what just happened? You know? And I talk to many of you, and we're all in that place, and we all say, I'm not quite sure what happened. My joy's gone. No, it didn't go anywhere, and neither did our hope. Friends, we need to understand that we need, as believers, we have to live our lives differently to the way the world does. So let's put things in place, and let's follow Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. So I'd like to just pray for us all quickly, and then I'm going to hand back to Gary. Father God, I thank you so much that the hope set before you was us and that you have sent Jesus your son. And in sending him, mankind and me, Sherry, has been restored to the heart of the Father. And I thank you that I can choose to live inside of you who you are, not inside of me. If this thing hinges on me, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, if this thing hinges on me, we're done. But I'm so thankful that it hinges on you. And I thank you, Lord, even for the challenges in my life. I would have preferred if life went another way, but I have learned that it's not all about this. And so I grieve and lament, and some days are worse than others, and my coping is inside of you. Thank you that you've made a way for us, and we are grateful. And we lift up the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of Kings, Lord Jesus. And we say, come Holy Spirit and breathe the life of Jesus into us and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.